father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious! Hello, and welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious? The Star Wars and Lord of the Rings Encyclopedia podcast where we waste time in fictional wikis. I'm Ryan. And I'm Joanna. You couldn't see it, but she was punching the air. She's excited about something today. I'm so excited, I want to fight the world. So what's going on? Well, I have some uh, Lord of the Rings and some Star Wars news. Hot dog. Steal my thunder. Tell me about it. I am. Well, in terms of Lord of the Rings news, they are going to be releasing, re-releasing, I should say, the entire Lord of the Rings soundtrack on vinyl. Five discs of vinyl. Five yeah, it sounds dis- so much better on wax compared to, like, low-fidelity audio. You know, as an audiophile, you gotta get the best fidelity and lossless files. People and- who listen to it on CD or MP3, like, they aren't experiencing it the way it's meant to be experienced. You're only getting, like, half the music that way because of the loudness wars. I don't know anything Because of the loudness wars. That is what they say That's in That's a real stores. thing. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Yeah. So if you are a Lord of the Rings fan, a hipster, and somebody who has a lot of money, then you can buy those. They should be coming out soon. No price point yet. At least not that I could find. But I'm sure they can't be that expensive, right? Well, it's vinyl. That's old stuff. It should be cheap. Think about how much records cost back in the 70s. Yes, you know. but they're red. Ooh. They are colored red. A red vinyl. There's a premium for red vinyl. Why red? I have absolutely no idea. Because of the Eye of Sauron? I, I really should don't it be know. orange? What they should have done is made it a ring-shaped record with a big hole in the middle. I mean, records are already ring-shaped, though, but even my dear. more, like, you think that's a ring shape? Yeah, records are shaped like a ring. They're round and they have a hole in the middle. A tiny hole? I want a really big one. If you're talking about a ring that you can actually wear on your finger, then no, they're not shaped No, like that. no, I just want, like, a big old ring. I wonder if they can make records like that. Probably not. I don't know how it would spin, because the hole would be way too big. <laughs> yeah, like it would just, it'd be like that time that Nintendo released that, I think it was a Diddy Kong Racing soundtrack, but uh-huh. it couldn't, you couldn't play it because it was shaped like Diddy Kong's head. Oh, I had it. You could play it. You could actually play it? Yeah. It was, it was, it was within the radius of a CD. So if they can do that, why can't they make a because Ring the, of Power shaped record? Because the hole in Diddy Kong's face was the normal CD size. Mm, still seems like a lost opportunity to me. Okay. Do you want to hear the Star Wars news? Um. Yeah, sure. So because the movie Solo, a Han Solo solo story starring Han Solo, yeah. is coming out soon, Marvel is releasing a... Five-volume Lando Calrissian special. Oh, cool. Like, young Lando? Um, I actually couldn't find that many details. Well, I assume it's going to tie into the movie. Like, I think so. Well, they're under the impression that after people see the movie, they're going to want to know more about Lando. Now, I don't need to see the movie to want to know more about Lando. I want to know everything about Lando. I want to know about his thoughts, his dreams, his fears, his wishes, his hopes. Over, under, on young Lobot making an appearance. Okay, so that was one of the first things I wanted to find out. And all I got was this very PR sort of quotation from Marvel that was like, we think people are going to want to know more about Lando. And that's like really all they said. 
Okay. Um, I'm really hoping that there will be an arc involving Lobot reuniting with his long-lost teen daughter. Aww. You know, the generational differences mm-hmm. and coming to appreciate each other. He can't stand the music she plays. Well, with she... those metal earmuffs, it echoes like crazy. Exactly. It was already like monkeys in a zoo, and now it's like monkeys in a zoo in an echo chamber. So. Yeah. Lobot's not into it initially, but, you know, eventually he comes to appreciate her and her generation. This is young Lobot. He probably hasn't had that teen daughter yet. It'd be more like a baby. Okay, maybe a baby daughter. Maybe it's the adventures of Lando and Lobot trying to take care of Lobot's infant daughter that was just, like, left on the doorstep by her mother. My two space dads. My two space dads. Like, two men and a baby. I like it. That'd be hilarious. That's what I'm hoping for. So, you know, Marvel. Get on it. Get on it. Do you have any Star Wars news? No. Oh, wow. After the kind of grief Ryan gave me last week for not having Lord of the Rings news, he doesn't have any Star Wars news. Well, you did it already. Was that what you were going to say? No, but you did it for me. Thank you. Oh, okay. You're welcome. So shall we dive right into it? Because let me tell you, the topic we're tackling today is one hell of a story. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's let's dive into it. Put on my swim cap, my goggles, take a leap off that diving board into the pool of the Encyclopedia of Arda. Great. So the tale we're going to tell in this episode has love, war, betrayal, and a crazy amount of family drama. Wow. Yeah, but because it's kind of complex, I've really been struggling to condense it into something digestible for the average casual Tolkien fan. So let me know if you start to get lost. All right, so the subject I'm talking about, of course, is the fall of Gondolin. Okay, I got a joke. All right, let's hear it. What do they say in Venice when they're on a boat? I don't know. What do they say in Venice when they're on a boat? Hey, man, I'm just gondolin. <laughs> oh, Italian people do say that. Yeah, because they're gondolas. Get it? That was really funny. Thanks. That was so funny. I feel like we may have to cut it out because it might kill our listeners with laughter. I don't want that to happen. Okay, if you're hearing this and you're dead, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, too little too late at this well, point. Well, I apologize to the family members who rush into the room after they heard a rupturous laughter coming from their loved one's bedroom and they find them keeled over in a chair, a death grin on their face, their eyes lolling back in their head with joy as they laugh so hard they died. My recommendation in when you're giving the eulogy at their funeral, if you're at all tempted to reference how they died, maybe don't. Maybe leave that part out. Well, leave it to the imagination. Say it was a really funny joke. Yes. But then, don't say it, because you don't want everyone at the funeral to die either. I mean, that would be... I mean, big money for the funeral home, but bad money for you. I guess that if there was a funeral home that was really looking to drum up new business, and it was looking for some kind of grift or scam, yeah. it could just start this endless cycle uh-huh. of people hearing that joke and then dying, and then other people say the joke at their funerals, and then everybody at that funeral dies. But then eventually, it's going to sort of spread exponentially, and everybody in the world's going to be dead because the, of that joke. No one left. No one left. That's our goal with this podcast, really. No one left. That's our unofficial tagline. Yeah. All right. So it's been about a month since we last discussed Gondolin. And even then, we did it sort of in passing. So Ryan, do you remember me mentioning the Sindar of Neverest? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Do you really? It's been a month. Um, the Cinderin are elves. Yeah, the Cinder are elves. They invented the Cinderin language. Yes, they did. Okay, good. Good. Neverest... It sounds like they don't get a lot of sleep because they never, never rest. rest. All right. Well, you kind of got, you 50% got it, which is good because otherwise I would have canceled both this podcast and our marriage. Good. So to recap, Navaris was a Sindar settlement next to the sea in Middle Earth, and it was separate from the kingdom of Doriath, but the people who lived in Navaris still swore their allegiance to Eluthingal, 
aka Elway Singolo. So they were sworn an allegiance to Thingol until the Noldor showed up and took control of Neverest like good little imperialists. Mm-hmm. So specifically, a Noldor named Turgon, nephew of history's favorite dickhead Feanor, assumed rulership of Neverest. So we had a mixed Noldor and Sindarin populace living under a Noldor ruling class. Now, in real life, that would probably lead to all kinds of civil unrest. But Tolkien was a British man living at the height of the British Empire on which the sun never set and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of wonder if the situation with the Noldor and the Sindar in Neverest even struck him as distasteful. Um, if it did, that doesn't really come across in his writing at all. The Sindar seem perfectly happy to be under the rulership of the Noldor. Oh, good for them. Just just like the Indians. See, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like Russia Indians. loves us. We just flap on our boats and our tea and everything's hunky-dory. That's how British people talk. Yes. Yeah, so, anywho, after 100 years of the British Raj, uh, oops, I mean, the Noldor and Neverest. Oops, slip. Turgon got a hot tip from Olmo. Olmo told him that there was this awesome place to the east called the Encircling Mountains, and it would be a great place to build a hidden city. So Turgon led his people there and established the city known as Ondolinda in Quenya and Gondolin in Sindarin. Okay. And here, Turgon's people were safe from Morgoth because Morgoth's spies couldn't find the damn place. It was so well hidden. Exactly. How'd they hide it? It was just inside these encircling mountains, and there was only one way in, and it was hard to find. What if they flew over it? They could do that, except I'm not sure how, because all the eagles were also loyal to Turgon, so they have no way of flying Can't Morgoth fly? No, Morgoth can't fly. He should be able to. Well, maybe he can. He's a spirit. But his spies can't fly. Okay. Anyway, that aside, in fact, the people of Gondolin lived in peace and safety for nearly 400 years. Surely someone would slip, like, you know, got this great town, middle of the mountains, real secluded. Well, here's the thing. Once you lived in Gondolin, you were never allowed to leave. Ooh, yikes. So that kind of quashed that. Gondolin, more like prison. Yeah. Exactly. More like, never leave Dolin. Yeah. Welcome to the Hotel Gondolin. You can check in anytime you want, but you can never leave. But somebody did slip, though. Okay. I mean, this story is very much about uh, somebody uh, slipping. Okay, 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 so okay. We'll get to that. Sorry to, sorry to jump in. No, on. that's okay. So a couple notes on the construction of Gondolin. It was built to look like Tyrion, which was the city where the Noldor had lived in Valinor. And the most prominent feature of Gondolin was the Tower of the King, where Turgon created two trees. Glingle, the gold tree, and Belfil, the silver tree. Does that sound familiar? They do. They sound like copies of another thing that happened already. Yeah, right. So Turgon created replicas of the two trees of Valinor. Mm -hmm. So clearly there was a bit of homesickness at play here. Now, as I said, everything was swell in Gondolin for a few hundred years, but then things took a turn for the soap operatic. Oh, no. You see... Turgon had a sister called Aradel, and Aradel was bored. Okay. I mean, she was really, really bored. She was like Belle in Beauty and the Beast, wandering around the same old streets going, There must be more than this provincial life. She read every book in the bookstore three times. and Yeah. And then um, she kind of goes around passive-aggressively insulting all the townspeople. For and... being like stupid and simple and... And there's a big burly elf who's like, I'm going to make her my wife! Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened. Um, so she asked her brother for permission to go traveling. And he was like, girl, you're crazy. The outside world is overrun with Morgoth's forces. And Aradel was like, but who cares? 
no big deal. I want more. Now you're crossing the streams on Disney movies here. Yeah, but they're all the same family. I, I like to think that all Disney movies take place in the same universe. I think that's canon. Right? Um, because there was that part in Frozen where <laughs> Rapunzel okay. and Eugene showed up. I think that's in... part of the, the new canon of the 3D animation. Oh, you think the 2D animation, they're not in the same universe? I mean, they might, but there's no evidence of it. Yeah, but there's no evidence there's not. And as we've discussed before, absence of evidence to the contrary means something is true. Okay. Anyway, Aradel had her little mermaid moment and she left Gondolin against her brother's wishes and disappeared for 20 years. And at the end of those 20 years, she returned with a kid. Whoa, she got up to some stuff. She got up to some stuff. She had actually, it turns out, wandered into the dark and sorceress region southeast of Gondolin, which was known as Nan Dungotheb. And Rolls she, off the tongue. It does, right? You could tell just by how fluidly I pronounced mm-hmm. it just then. And she got herself knocked up by a dark elf called Aeol. Ooh, yikes. Yeah, and apparently Aeol wasn't the greatest husband or father because Aradel waited until he was off feasting in the Blue Mountains and then ran off back to her hometown without telling him. Well, that's what you get for messing with a bad boy from the wrong side of the tracks. I mean, I think he sort of had that wounded puppy appeal. It's like, I can fix him. He's a dark elf. I can bring light into his life. Mm -hmm. It never works like that, girls. It never works like that. This is like a real fairy tale start of the story. It is, and it only gets more so. So here Aradel was, back in Gondolin, presenting her brother Turgon with the nephew he hadn't even known he had. He's half dark elf. He is half dark elf, and his name was Maeglin. Now, Maeglin was evidently a pretty agreeable kid, at least at this point, because he was totally willing to accept Turgon as his lord, and Turgon was willing to accept Maeglin, and everyone was just luxuriating in love and acceptance and positive vibes. But unfortunately, another stranger arrived to harsh their mellow. Oh, no. And this was Aradel's spurned husband, Aeol. The Dark Elf? The Dark Elf. He had tracked them down. So Aeol was brought before Turgon and instructed to pledge his allegiance and promise never to leave Gondolin. And Aeol was like, no, I'd rather die. And Turgon was like, that can be arranged. Oh, and no. Aeol was like, and my kid would rather die, too. And Maelin was like, um. Hey, man, I was not part of this. Right. So Shut up, dad. Aeol whipped out. This is the worst dad move of the century. Aeol whipped out a poison dart and chucked it at Maeglin. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your point of view, Aradel dramatically dove in front of her son. No. And took the poison dart herself. It's just like in the movie First Kid where Sinbad jumped in front of the president's son. It's, that's probably where they got the idea. That's exactly where they got the idea. He was a, Tolkien was a noted Sinbad fan. Sin, a question. Yes. Uh, I should have asked this earlier. Have we talked about Dark Elves? So Dark Elves were basically ones that didn't um, swear allegiance to anyone. Oh, okay. So they're just like regular old elves. Yeah, but they don't live in elven society. Hmm, okay. Aeol originally started as one of Thingol's people, but he decided he had had enough of the man and he took off. Okay. Yeah, he's like living off the grid. Like, oh, okay. like doing everything in cash, so there's no paper trail and not paying his taxes and living in a, a cottage down by Walden Pond and writing poems now, about beans. Um, I just want to add, so originally the term dark elf referred to elves who were not willing to go to Valinor. Okay. So they were willingly tolerating the shadows that Morgoth had put upon the earth. Got it. So they just like, they look like regular elves. 
Meglin is, I believe, described and often depicted as darker. At least okay. he has this sort of long, dark goth hair. Okay, because like in, in D&D and EverQuest and the Night Elves and World of Warcraft, they always have like gray skin. Right, right. And like They're white sort of, hair. Is sort that... of swarthier. Um, not, 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 swar- not even swarthy, just like gray. This like, you know. Not in Tolkien, at least not that it's described in Tolkien. Okay. No, it, it doesn't really refer to... It's not physically dark. Okay, so that was, It's just that, the that, fact that they didn't desire the light of the trees of Valinor. So that was just a made-up thing by Gary Later on. and his friends. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. I think so. I think they took it a bit more literally than Tolkien actually did. Got it. Right, so Aradel dramatically dove in front of her son and took the poison dart herself and then promptly died. Oh, no. And Turgon was obviously a bit put out about this, so he had Aeol thrown off a cliff. Whoa. Yeah, so Maglin was now orphaned. Sheesh. But as he grew, he was said to be wise in counsel, cunning in smithcraft, and mighty in battle. So at least he had that going for him, I guess. I'm glad they liked him. I always thought it'd be like, you know, have like a a half-breed sort of situation here. That's all I ever heard. It was not. That way, Turgon was actually quite nice to him. Good. Unfortunately, Meglin did not repay the favor, but we'll get to that later. Oh, no. All right, so fast forward 100 years, and there was this absolutely disastrous battle between the Noldor and the forces of Morgoth. And this battle was called the Dagor Bragolach, or the Battle of Sudden Flame. You really know how to make this, like, these really catchy names that are just are so easy to say. Yeah, they're really easy to remember. I totally don't have to look them up, like, every single time no, I talk about this. No, just... So this fight did not go well for the Noldor, and... Indeed, Morgoth and his guys were able to gain access to a strategic pass that gave them an entrance into Beleriand itself. Yikes. So the Noldor were scattered, as were their allies, men. Ooh, humans are around now. Yeah, so I haven't gotten around to discussing men yet, but hey, here they are. They are around When do they show up? Well, we'll talk about that in a future episode, I promise. Okay. Among those men were two brothers, Huara and Hurin, who got cut off from their army. And they were found by Thorondor, who was the Lord of the Eagles, and brought to Turgon. Like an actual eagle? Like an actual eagle. Like like Gandalf's eagles. Like Gandalf's eagles. Although, it should be noted, at the time of the War of the Ring, the eagles were sort of a neutral party. They were sort of Switzerland. They didn't really get involved. Sometimes they did as a favor to Gandalf, but mostly they didn't get involved. So that's your response to anybody who's ever like, why didn't the eagles just carry Sam and Frodo to Mount Doom? None of their business. None of their business. Sauron don't control the skies, baby. He don't. He can't take the skies from them. No way. So, but at this point, evidently, eagles did have loyalties because they were loyal to Turgon. So they brought Hur and Hurin to Turgon, who graciously allowed them to stay in Gondolin for a year. And as the Encyclopedia of Arda puts it, in this kindly act were the first seeds of Gondolin's destruction more than 50 years later. Oh, man. Yeah, so let that be a lesson to our listeners. Don't do nice things for people. Bad lesson. Yeah, I know. Around that same time, Turgon was investing in a new strategy in the fight against Morgoth. So he was having his people attempt to sail to Valinor to ask the Valar for help. And nobody was actually making it until Arendil, who reached Valinor after Turgon died. But ultimately, this turned out to be a solid strat. And meanwhile, the elves of Middle-earth, Turgon included, were preparing for a counter-strike against Morgoth. Mm. Now set that aside, because we're about to dive back into some family drama. Oh no, Meglin and, and, and company? Oh yes, Meglin and company. So Meglin at this point was all grown up, and he had gotten all twitterpated over this elf maiden named Idril. Okay, as he, a young man is wont to do. Yes, yes, ready to sow his wild oats. Idril was Turgon's daughter, however, which made her Meglin's cousin. Gross. Which is gross. So is this like a rest of development kind of thing? I <laughs> 
<laughs> the comedy in Arrested Development, part of it came from the fact that it, it was taboo, so they couldn't act on it. So it was just this incredibly awkward thing. I don't think there was as much of a taboo against it in the first age of Tolkien's Middle Earth. However, Idril was not really into Maeglin. Okay. Cousin or no cousin. I mean, that's probably for the best. At least she wasn't into him in that way. So she was like the pretty popular high achiever, and Maeglin was like the brooding goth kid. Ooh, they're just like opposites attracting. Exactly. Well, yeah, on well, one side anyway. One side, yeah. So instead of marrying Maeglin, Idril married Tuor, who was the son of Huar, one of the two human brothers who was staying in Gondolin. So Idril married a human. Oh, no, that's even, that's like insult to injury for right, Maeglin. Right, So Tuor uh, and Idril, by the way, would eventually become Arendil's parents. Oh, okay. Right? All right, so Maeglin was pissed. Yeah. He couldn't believe Idril had chosen to marry some Chad when she'd had a nice guy in front of her all along. God. So Maeglin rebelled like any wounded incel would do <laughs> by leaving Gondolin to search for medals in the wilderness. He tipped his fedora and said, I'm out. Farewell, my lady. Farewell, my lady. I'll return with many rocks. Yes. Yeah, so that's when he was captured by Morgoth. Of course he was. Of course he was. And Morgoth seduced Maeglin, not with wine and candles. But with the promise of rulership over Gondolin and Idril's hand in marriage. You don't need a girlfriend. You have Morgoth. He was still feeling really lonely after he broke things off with Ungoliant. Yeah. It's like, I'll both take it the, anywhere I can get it. I mean, both of them were just kind of lost souls and they just found each other. I think it's kind of romantic. Well, unfortunately for Morgoth, Maeglin was still very hung up on Idril. Oh, so that's another unrequited love right there. Sort of. This is just a story of unrequited love. Doomed love. Doomed love. This is the saddest story yeah. I've ever heard. But don't you like me, Meglin? No, I'm into my cousin. Cousins only. Keep that's it in the bloodline. <laughs> like a Morgoth's like slaughtering and don't. torturing people, <laughs> messing with people's DNA. That's fine. But incest? Gross. <laughs> So. And I, I mean, I'm saying that's gross, and I, I had a thing with a spider. <laughs> you know that's bad. So that's how Morgoth seduced Maeglin. I mean, maybe he also used wine and candles. I don't know exactly how he operated. <laughs> okay. But anywho, Morgoth told Maeglin that all he wanted in return was the location of Gondolin. Oh, that's easy. Which Maeglin gave him. Right over there. Yeah, right? They're freaking incels. God. Cannot trust them. No way. So Morgoth was able to find and attack Gondolin. Now, fortunately, Idril had a funny feeling about her emo cousin. You know, he spent a lot of time on Reddit, on our red pill. Yeah. Wore a lot of fedoras. He's like, actually, male elves are the oppressed class yeah. of Gondolin. Stuff like that. Posting a lot of photos of him posing with like a katana. Said like, while you were chasing popularity, I was studying the blade. I mean, that's not, she's not, probably not too far off. Lord of the Rings has lots of swords in it. He was a smithcraft, yeah. so I guess that makes sense. But he was also photoshopping various pictures of people to make their jaw thicker. There's a show like, here's why I'll never succeed. Difference between insults and chat is just five millimeters of bone. If you haven't seen this guy, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> look it up. Please look it up. Look up incel Chad photoshops. It is like the funniest thing you will see in your life. Joanna, I, Joanna and I dunk on incels a lot for fun. So you should do it too. It's, it's a good time. You know what we should do? We should do Chad photoshops with some of the characters from Lord of the Rings. We should maybe figure out who's like the Chads, who's the incels. Oh, we should. We should rank them. We should Lord categorize the them. <gasps> I mean, I can already figure out a few. Kylo Ren is definitely incel. So, yeah, Wormtongue definitely incel. Wormtongue is so incel. Yeah. Who do you think is a Chad? Who's the chattiest Chad in Star Wars? Han Solo. Han Solo, yeah. Han Solo. I, I don't even no, know why no I question. asked that. Who's the chattiest Chad in Lord of the Rings? I think Aragorn? Aragorn, Boromir. 
Yeah, Bor- Boromir, probably Boromir, right? He seems like the kind of guy, they show this more in the extended edition, but he seems like the kind of guy who would, like, be really popular with ladies. His little brother kind of, like, hates him for it. His little brother might be, Faramir might be the incel. What about Lurtz? He's probably super Chad. Lurtz is also, alt- have you seen Lurtz's jaw? Have you seen that neck? <laughs> have you seen that neck? That neck is thicker than his head. That is definitely Chad. You see when he jacked Frodo in the face? <laughs> that was a Chad move. That was a Chad move. That was a power move. It was. So anyway, Idril did not trust her incel cousin, so she'd spent some time preparing a secret passage out of the city. So she and Tuor and some of the other elves of Gondolin were able to escape when Morgoth attacked. But everyone else was slaughtered. Oh, no. Completely slaughtered, including King Turgon. Uh, the city was ransacked, the buildings were razed to the ground, the two trees, Glingle and Belfil, were almost certainly destroyed, and Gondolin was no more. Oh, no. As I said several weeks ago, the few elves who survived the fall of Gondolin wound up in a sort of refugee camp. And it was from this camp that Idril and Tuor's son Arendil embarked when he eventually made his successful voyage to Valinor. I see. The pieces are coming together. Tying everything together, right? He's starting to get a more holistic picture of things during the First Age. Yeah, yeah. Good. I'm glad. Do you have any questions? I mean, I'm kind of going back a little bit with this story, right? Like, Yeah, I haven't been going strictly chronological. I thought going thematically would be less confusing. Okay. I find chronological stuff really confusing because you're jumping around from so many different things. Right. If that makes sense. So basically, I've brought you up to speed to the point where the Valar came out of Valinor to defeat Morgoth. Gotcha. More or less. There's definitely some other stuff I'm going to want to cover in there, but you've got like the major beats now. Okay. Is Meglin going to be a recurring character? No. No. No, Meglin's gone. Meglin's done. I mean, Morgoth didn't keep his promise. Shock. Yeah. You can't be the ruler of Gondolin when there is no Gondolin. Yeah. And you can't have Idril's hand in marriage after you, like, slaughtered her whole people. And Any connection between Gondolin and Gondor? Names are similar. Okay, so this is a little bit confusing, right? So no, there is no direct connection between Gondolin and Gondor. However, there was a place called Minas Tirith in the First Age. And it wasn't the same Minas Tirith. This is a little confusing. Oh, that's confusing. It was a watchtower of the Noldor during the First Age, and it guarded the pass of Syrian against Morgoth coming in from the north. Okay. Uh, however, it was eventually invaded and destroyed by Sauron. Oh, okay. So is the Third Age Minas Tirith named after First Age Minas Tirith? a nice like nod to the past so i i would like to do some more research before i give you a definitive answer on that i do know that minas tirith was originally called minas anor which is the tower of the setting sun and then when the enemy started taking shape again it was renamed minas tirith the tower of the guard and i don't know if they just named it that because of what the name meant in translation tower of the guard or if it was a deliberate reference to minas tirith from the first age because minas tirith from the first age was also a watchtower i think it's it's form and functioned Right. I think you could be right. I'd want to look that up more to be sure, but I feel like there's got to be some significance to the fact that they reused that name. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's a good story. Yeah, I know. It's got kind of got everything, right? Action, romance. A, a first kid-esque taking a bullet for someone. I mean, anything that references first kid that directly. Yeah, that's really dramatic. Can't be all bad, right? Right. Can't be all bad. Here, Mongoose 12. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well... Are you ready to learn a Star Wars thing? I'm always ready to learn a Star Wars thing. So you told me you were going to be doing the Fall of Gondolin, and I said, what can I do? What can I do that's going to be just as poignant and important and maybe sound a little bit similar? So today we're talking about Gonk. (laughs) Wait, you just picked it because Gonk has the first same three letters as Gondolin? Well, yes, but it's also just as important in the history of Star Wars. Is it? Do you know Gonk? I know the Gonk, but a... 
I'm going to show you a little video, and you'll realize what Gonk is. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready for this Maybe realization. Maybe you won't remember him. 2018 is the year of realizing things. You remember? Is he that little droid that's like a garbage can? Yes. On legs? That's Gonk. That's Gonk, huh? He's called Gonk because of the sound he makes. It's kind of a gonkish sound. Gonk. 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 Now, is he in any way related to the um, Daleks? Because the Daleks are also created from rubbish bins. Ah, uh, good question. Yeah, if you don't know what Gonk looks like, I just showed a video, a video of Gonk. It's the one in, in the Jawa Sandcrawler. It looks kind of like a walking dumpster with two little legs sticking out of him. It goes, Gonk. Gonk. And that, that's what we're talking about today. They He's were, a cute little guy. Yeah. Gonk is, has a purpose, though. Gonk is a power droid. A power So not a waste receptacle droid. No, no, no. He's a power droid. He's like a wa- he's a walking battery, essentially. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh? Well, there's different versions of power droids. So they have usually two legs. They power machinery and vehicles. And they're very versatile. So there's GNK power droids. Gink. Gink. Or gonk, gonk. They're actually a knockoff of what? an original. Yeah, there's. A is this like a like when you go to get like a uh, you go to um I don't know Chinatown to get a Louis Vuitton bag yeah. and it's like a Kui Vuitton bag. Yeah, or... yeah, that, that's a gonk. Gonk you is know? a knockoff of an EG6 power droid. It's a cheaper alternative and much more prevalent. Um, there's also a four-legged version of it called a PLNK. Or plonk? Pl- or plonk droid. That's cute. So yeah, they 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 walk around the galaxy. They charge up spaceships. They say gonk. Real, real special guys. Yeah, I like them. That's adorable. I mean, talk about form and function. So the sound they make. Gonk. 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 That's their language. It's what? Called, it's called Gonkian. And it's a droidian language. G and K power droids can speak to EG6 power droids in Gonkian. They both speak Gonk. Really? Yeah. It sounds kind of like a Pokemon where they're just saying their name. Well, they can say more than that. They can say more than just Gonk? Eh, a few things, yeah. Okay, so example. There's a phrase they say that's Gonk. Gonk, gonko, kinkase, gonk. Oh, what's that mean? Well, it's kind of interesting. So, sometime after the Battle of Endor, rumors began to spread regarding a cult of the power droids. Oh my god. Apparently, a pair of gonk power droids would come to one's door and request funding for a religious fringe group. Advice from renowned linguist Eben Q3 Baobab was that one should merely utter the phrase gonk, gonk, gonko, kinkase, a highly controversial statement that was not allowed to be legally translated. <laughs> so we don't know what it means. Nope, you say that and go away. So it's want... like if Jehovah's Witnesses came to your door and there was like this set phrase you could say to make them go away. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, you have to know this. You have to know this phrase in case like, two power droids come to your door. What are you going to do? Okay, I'll try. Here, we should practice it right now. Okay, we'll do a bit of role play here. I'm ready. I'm going to be two power droids coming to your door. Yeah. And request funds. Okay? okay. So make sure you say the right thing. All right. All right. All right. Dunk, 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 dunk. That's us gonking our heads on the door. Yeah, hello? Gonk. Gonk, gonk, gonk. Oh, no, sorry, I'm Catholic. Gonk. I actually do all my donations to the Catholic Church. Gonk. I mean, gonk. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know. Gonk. Uh, uh, gonk. 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 Alright, bye. And they're gone. 
Did it look offended when I did that? Well, they don't have a face. Oh, so it's kind of hard to tell. It's a it's a phrase that we cannot translate, according to Mr. Baobab. Um, he's the same person who wrote the Galactic Phrase Book and Travel Guide that we got all those hut phrases yeah, from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool guy. It's an it's a pseudonym for our bud Ben Burt, the sound designer guy from Star oh, Wars. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, he, that's so fun. Did he make up all the languages as well? Mm-hmm. And yeah. he made up the gonk thing? He made up the cult of the power droids. That's all from the book. <laughs> I love the fact that these droids have their own cult. Yeah. Like these battery droids. Yeah, I that's found out so- that. Cute. I found that Ben Burt actually cameoed as this character in episode one. Like Did he's, he? he's actually on screen as as Eben Q3 Baobab. Really? Yeah. Wait, where was he in episode he's a, one? He's in Naboo. He's like one of the guys in the fancy robes and stuff. That's really cool. That actually makes me appreciate at least that scene yeah. of episode one more. And furthermore, it goes even deeper because the character Baobab uh, is related to a character he created for the Droids cartoon series. Oh yeah. Called Mungo Baobab. Mungo Baobab. So it's actually like a like a cousin of this character he created for the eighties cartoon. Is he also related to Mungo Jerry? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. in the summertime when the weather is hot. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Oh, cool. Is he also related to Mungo Baggins? Oh uh, yeah, of course. Oh wow. So it's all connected. I'm a big fan of Ben Burt. He's one of my favorite, like, behind-the-scenes Star Wars guys. He seems like he has fun with it. Well, Ben Burt's awesome. You know, Ralph McQuarrie's awesome. I love all the the background people who like make Star Wars happen. So, Ben Burt. But I think you're probably really interested in this Cult of the Power Droid. I am. I think it's awesome. So when this became when this book came out, the Cult of the Power Droid kind of took off among the burgeoning internet of the Star Wars fans. Yeah. And they the fans kind of created their own uh, Power Droid religion here. Oh my god! So I want you to come to church with me to the Cult of the Power Droid. But I think I just said that one offensive phrase that means I'm not going to be involved. Well, hold on. Okay. Welcome to church. Let me tell you our main tenets. Okay. I mean, I don't really know if I'm a religious person. I'm just feeling really lost right now at this point in my life. I just got divorced and I'm thinking about changing jobs and my kids are all grown and they're out of the house and I just don't really know what I'm searching for, but I think I'm searching for something. Well, all you need to do is let go and let gonk. Let go and let gonk. But what does that mean? Let me tell you. Gonk is the ultimate power in the universe. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the gonk. He can transcend space and time and has been directly responsible for countless turning points in intergalactic history. He may not be referred to as Gonk, for to speak the holy name is blasphemy, unless you're doing so in the context of warning others not to blaspheme, as is done here. Okay. However, the primary utterance of Gonk is Gonk, and when used to refer to the word Gonk instead of the deity Gonk, the full spelling is acceptable. So I can say Gonk as well as I'm ta- as long as I'm talking about the word Gonk and not the deity Gonk. <sighs> Oh. You just said it. Sorry. What should I say instead? Like, he who must not be named? Well, the holy words all gonkists use when situationally appropriate is gonk, 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 call, kyangase. Gonk, gonk, gonko, kyangase. Yes. Those are our holy words. Oh, wow. They're not permitted to be translated as per Baobab Security Directive 51C, but I'm sure you get the meaning in your heart. Um, kind of. I mean, I previously I was just using it on when you guys came to my doorway, and I just kind of thought they meant, like, F off or something. By saying that to those droids, you told them, I am one of your people. I am a gonkist. Oh, so you don't need to evangelize to me because I'm already in it. I'm already with gonk. Gonk oh. is in my heart. I've invited him in. Praise gonk. Praise gonk. We have my some, heart is so full. The primary teachings of gonk is that, uh, the tenet of inaction. Okay. Gonk hath no arms, thus are his followers to live a passive life, doing as little as possible apart from walking around. But let this not be mistaken for laziness, for Gonk cannot sitteth on his hindquarters, having none upon which to sit, and no means to rise again, even if he had hindquarters. 
So just walk around all the time is basically this religion. Oh. Yes. I <laughs> could probably handle that. Nyx is the tenet of energy generation. Gonk is a power droid and generates his own energy. Thus are his followers to derive no sustenance from external sources, such as food or water, which are not considered kosher. Well, I feel like then you're going to have a hard time recruiting anybody who's organic because we will die if we live that way. With an attitude like that, you will. Well, maybe. Oh, wow, consider me chastened. Let's move on. Okay. Our secondary teachings involve that of gambling. Gonk determines the outcome of all games of chance, even those that are rigged by mortal beings. Thus, gambling is neither encouraged nor discouraged. Oh, it's just sort of neutral. When it comes to dancing, all forms of dance that require only legs, such as tap, are permitted. Gonkis are forbidden from waltzing or swinging their partners do si do. What about river dancing? I think we can make an exception. It's all legs. It is all legs. All right. Excellent. As far as fornication go, Gonk hath no genitalia. Gonkis may not use theirs for sexual purposes. Those who violate this tenet are not doomed, but are also not seen as perfect exemplars of the will of Gonk. Well, I think I can handle not being seen as perfect. I mean, like, if I'm going to die of starvation and dehydration, I want to have some fun before I go. And now it's time for the reading of the Book of Gonk. Read it with me, everyone. In the beginning, there was Gonk. Gonk created the universe, but it was without form and void. And Gonk saw the void, and he said, Gonk. And Gonk did populate the universe with beings both droid and organic. And he looked upon his creation, and again he spake, saying, Gonk. Huh. He's man a few words. He really got straight to the point, huh? He truly did. Now do not worry, for if you die, death is referred to as deactivation in our religion. Uh, they believe that when you are deactivated, you travel to the scrap heap beyond, where you wait to be reconstituted into a new form. Your new form be dictated by the extent to which you exemplified the will of Gonk in life, the more your new form shall resemble his, until at last, after many lives and death, you may one day attain true Gonkness and become one with the Gonk. So you're telling me that, yes, I'm probably going to die of starvation, but that if I do it, I'll be reincarnated as something more close to Gonk. You got it. Wow. So it is said, so it shall be. Well, I have to say, that sounds pretty good to me, but do I have to get, like, baptized or something? Or, like, what do I have to do to join your religion? Well, once you're enlightened by the knowledge of Gonk, you'll typically wish to make a pilgrimage to Tatooine, the land of the Jawa traders. There, the pilgrim will travel through the desert off the pathways of other lay travelers. The droid caravans travel these routes often, and are usually willing to aid pilgrims on their travels. Follow in one's knowledge of Gonk and walk these paths, for he will guide pilgrims to a shrine of Gonk for five days of prayer and worship of Gonk. Before leaving, pilgrims will offer up a sacrifice of parts for safe travels. Well, I don't know if I'm going to make it for five days if I'm not drinking any water and I'm in a desert planet, but you know what? I could give the old college try. Follow Gonk. He will not lead you astray. Let's uh, conclude our service with some gonk hymns, shall we? I'm ready. Some praise songs of gonk. I feel like if you weren't raised in an evangelical Christian family, that won't be nearly as funny. Thank you to our gonk droid choir. For our gonk is an awesome gonk. I'm crying.
god. Open the next page of your pamphlet. My heart is so full. Praise Gonk. Gonk be praised. Send your praise to the Gonk. Come on, everybody, stand up and say another gonk One more for our service for today. I'm ready. And that concludes our service. Thank you to the St. Gonk's Gonk Choir for their beautiful renditions of those Gonk hymns. And all Gonk's children said, Gonk. Gonk. And church is over. Wow, I'm a believer. Are you a believer? I'm absolutely a believer. I love this religion. This religion has no disadvantages beyond the certainty of death. Yeah, it's pretty good. So let's let's kind of take it back a little bit. Okay. Uh, before we end our, our conversation of Gonk, uh, we can talk about some behind the scenes of Gonk. Yeah, I'm ready for the Gonk behind the scenes. Gonk is played by uh, a fellow named Jack Purvis. Do you know Jack Purvis? I don't. You probably would recognize him. Here's a picture of him. I'll put this up there. Um, oh, yeah. I feel like I've seen him before. He's a fantastic little person actor. He was in Time Bandits. Yeah! He was in Willow. Yeah, yeah, basically yeah! Basically every Terry Gilliam movie. And he's the only actor to appear in all three original Star Wars movies as different characters. Oh, really? So he played the Gonk droid and the Chief Jawa in A New Hope. He played the Chief Ugnaught in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, my God! And he played Tebow the Ewok in Return of the Jedi. He's played, like, all the faves. Yeah, classic guy. Great. Wow. He probably would have kept going in episode one, but unfortunately he passed away in 1997. Aww. But great actor. I mean, he had to walk around in a garbage can with like dryer hose legs. I know. I feel bad for like these these little person actors who are in all these these suits and stuff in Star Wars because they were out in the desert in like Tunisia. Yeah, yeah. But Jack Purvis, man, happy to be there. Showed up for two other movies after that. That's so awesome. I think we can blame Gonk for that. We can blame Gonk. So shout Praise out. Praise Gonk. Praise Gonk. Praise Jack Purvis. Praise Jack Purvis. For embodying. He's the gonk that we can all aspire to be. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. Okay. So, I guess we can call this episode The Fall of Gonkolin. Fall of Gonk. Please call it that. Okay. Please do call it The Fall of Gonkolin. <laughs> if you don't, then I quit. Okay.
Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you for informing me. All praise Gonk. Our Gonk is an awesome Gonk. Well, I feel like you really went the extra mile with making all those hymns, so big ups to you. It wasn't me, it was the Gonky and Droid Choir, but... Oh, okay, well they... I, I arranged it for them. Yeah, uh, you were involved in the sort of the, 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 the composition, yeah. slightly. That's all I gotta tell you. Any questions about Gonk or their religion of the cult of the power droids? No, I feel like you were very thorough, and I, I feel like it's an amazing belief system. Oh, good. I mean, it's totally sound. It makes total sense. For, you know, both droids and organic beings. But never translate their holy phrase. I mean, I wouldn't know what to translate it to. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's all we got for you today. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, make sure you check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Just search What's Lightsaber's Precious will be the only thing that comes up, probably. You can rate us on iTunes uh, and download our episodes on SoundCloud. Um, when you, you can rate us through the podcast app on your phone if you have an iPhone. Yeah, we saw I got another rating this week. We're up to like 4 and you know 75% of a star. Also, I forgot to mention this. If you liked our episodes with JubJub... We are playing more adventures with our friends in the Star Wars world on our friend's Twitch channel, which is called RPG Buddies. We play on Mondays if you want to listen in to more JubJub action. JubJub is in it. She features prominently. She is. I mean, she has new friends, and you can listen in and see what she's up to if you'd like. There's more swears in it than there were in the one we did for the podcast. Just fair warning. So Adult language. If you can't handle it. Adult themes. Get out of the kitchen. Why are people listening to our RPG in the kitchen? Um, because our podcast really cooks. Oh, nice. Nice save. Thanks. Flawless. Flawless. Smooth landing. Oh, you stuck it. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Yep. I'll be talking about dragons. Oh, wow. What do you be talking about? Dragons. Oh, wow. Well, also dragons. <laughs> what a coincidence. Join us next time for Double Dragon. Oh, that's a good game. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. See ya. Thank you. And let's have the the Gonkian choir play us out. All right. Gonks, take it away. Da 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 da